da 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 You sound insane. Do you realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Welcome back, everybody, to the sequel to our episode from last year. Mad About Movies, Rants and Raves, Stranger Things. Stranger. So now we present Mad About Movies, Rants and Raves, Stranger Things 2. Mm. Back About to time. talk Stranger Things with you this evening in this special bonus episode of Mad About Movies is myself, Kent, and Brian. What's up? I forgot that Richard didn't do this episode with us. I don't last think year. he did. I forgot I that. I don't think he did. I forgot. He's the person that hasn't watched Stranger Things. The person. Right. And I guess we can kind of start this conversation off. Talking um, trash about Richard? Cool. Talking smack about thing. Richard, which yeah. is our favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. Now, um, What's up with those feet? It's just kind of... I mean, it's been a while since Stranger Things won. It's been over uh-huh. a year. Uh, Stranger Things, the original first season, dropped in July of 2016. Okay. And... I was when, trying to remember the timeline on that. Like yeah, it was the summer. Okay. And I, and I think it was around 4th of July or something like that. And right. I remember it dropping, and I remember... It watch, exploded, man. It exploded, yeah. and I remember watching it in the first day or two days after seeing it. And um, don't know if I really watched it since then. Okay. Um, I remember us doing the episode on it, and I think I kind of put it on the shelf since then. And And they announced Season 2, Chapter 2 the sequel, whatever you want to call it, and said, okay, uh, yeah, we, we're definitely doing uh, another season, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a while. In fact, it's going to be fall of 2017. I'm mm-hmm. like, Gah! you know, that seemed like the longest time ever to wait. It was over a year mm-hmm. um, since the original season. So uh, that was depressing. Yeah. And I always told myself, yes, I'm going to rewatch right. season one right before season two comes out because I loved it so much. We I did just, our episode September seventh. Okay, so but it had been out. It for had a been while out because I didn't get to watch it right right we, when it came out. We didn't out. do it right when it came right. out. I know we did it we a couple weeks after or something yeah. like that. But um, I remember watching it immediately. Loved it. Just super into uh-huh. pretty much everything they had going on there, and um, was so into it that I wanted to watch it again immediately, but didn't want it to get old. Didn't want to right. get tired of it. Still wanted to like the music, still wanted to like the characters and all that. And, and, you know, no matter how good it is, if you watch it 10 times, you're going to start to sure. not dislike it, but get used to you it. get used to it. I yeah. like the surprise mm-hmm. of the moments that I forget about with yeah. shows, you know, and, and I love that I still have that with Stranger Things because um, it just hasn't gotten old to me, you know, still, um, even though I've seen it a lot and I re- rewatched season one and, and went back and researched it and did, did the whole, you know, uh, podcasting thing on it and all that. I, I just love this world and, and everything. It didn't get old to me. And I still love it. And returning for season two is maybe, I don't even know. I'm trying to think of something to compare this to. Maybe you can compare it to something. I don't think I've ever anticipated a show more than this in my life. I don't think I've ever like maybe walking dead at one point. I was <laughs> anticipating no. that coming back, but I don't r- remember like, Making it a point, like inviting people over, mm-hmm. like making it an evening type right, of thing, right. like making sure my whole house was set to where I could sit down and my stereo was working and I had the whole, you know, lights in the correct, like I was anticipating watching this more than anything ever. And, um, 
I savored every moment. The sure. first, the first season, Brian. I, I told you I watched it the first day. This season, I might have watched an episode a day. Yeah, like I watched it, it and I thought about it, and I thought yeah. about, and I just took my time with it and really absorbed it. Um, so, what was your experience with a the first season uh-huh. and b this one? First season snuck up on us because we didn't really know yeah. anything about it coming in. There was I, very little. There was no fan. There was. There. No, I didn't. I really. I don't think I saw a single. Uh, trailer or right. you know poster or anything, maybe up until like the week before it came out, and then I was like, oh, this looks interesting. And then we, as a you know, as a podcast, I mean, I don't know. Other than Star Wars, I don't think we've ever gotten more emails and tweets and and whatnot about a single property like we did Stranger Things. Like within a couple of days of it coming out, people were just clamoring. At us. And we get that, like, we get suggestions and requests and stuff like that all the time. And we love that. I love hearing from people that, and sometimes that turns into, like, uh, we just recorded a, a throwback that's going to come out on the VIP feed that, um, for Mighty Ducks, that probably we wouldn't have done if we hadn't had so many people over the last couple of years mm-hmm. uh, ask for it. And so, but this with Stranger Things, it was like immediate, so many people saying, Are you guys going to talk about Stranger Things? Are you going to do a Stranger Things episode and stuff? Um, I watched it. I loved it. I thought it was I mean it's it's right up my alley as far as it's very Spielbergian, it's very 80s uh nostalgia um but without I think anyway. It's it's not over reliant on the nostalgia factor like it exists in that reality but it doesn't it's not just like um, hitting those notes over and over again, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but you know, I love everything Spielberg, and I I am a big fan of of anyone who wants to kind of pay, pay homage to Spielberg in their film or, or the TV or whatever. Um, so I loved season one; had a great experience with it. I had not rewatched it. I didn't really expect that I would. Um, for kind of what you're saying i didn't want it to get old but also it that is a that's a it's 10 episodes and it felt very complete like if they hadn't come back with season two i would have been okay with that because it felt um, yeah like a complete thing um that said i was pretty stoked when they you know we started getting advertisements for the second one and then we got a teaser like in february maybe right i mean it's it's been that that ghostbusters picture and yeah that was it um, that came out a long time ago, and and they've done. I feel like they've done a great job of of advertising and and pumping it up. So yes, this was very high on my list of anticipation. By the time it got here, um, Lindsay, my wife, is a big. Um, we've done a bunch of, st- you know, ridiculous parties over the years for usually for TV shows. You know, we had a we had a party for Jim and Pam's wedding. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did a party for the Arrested Development Netflix series and, and things like that. Um, and so she she has had this on her calendar for for months of like, okay, when this comes out, I want you know all our friends to come over and we're gonna get through as many episodes as we can. So we watched for the first sitting, um, came back and watched another one a, a day or two later, and then you know work and all this sort of stuff kind of um, took over. But so we binged. There's nine episodes. So we watched four episodes. Um, like a week later and got through and got through all of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I would have probably, if it had just been me, like if she wasn't into the show, I probably would have watched them all the first night. Like I, I loved I, the story. I had somebody that was like, like wait for one. me to watch it. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. That's a killer. Um, 
that's the downside of being in a relationship. But uh, no, it was this season. I don't know if it's better than the first season, and I'm excited to talk to you about that. But mm-hmm. it was maybe because I knew what it. I know what it is now, and I knew what to expect. The first season, there was a little bit of hesitancy for me just because I don't like horror stuff at all. And there was elements in that first season that felt like I was a little nervous that we were going to get too horror-y for me. Um, <laughs> I could have been a, be careful pronouncing <laughs> I know. That. I tried to really over, I mean, over it could have been a lot really yeah. good if it went the other way. Um, yeah. Just depending on what you're looking for. <laughs> um, no, I, I think it could have that. I think it's the third episode of season one when right. there's the, you know, the right here on the wall and right. then the Demogorgon the comes yeah. out. So it's really creepy yeah. and, uh, and great. He's very effective and, and well done. But I, I was a little nervous that that's where we were headed, um, overall. And so now I kind of know, I felt like I knew where the line was of what this was going to be, then how, what, what areas it was going to work within. And so I was even more excited this time around. And I think eight of the nine episodes nailed it. I think the, the penultimate episode, the one with her, well, and we'll go into spoilers and all that sort of stuff, but the one with concerning, um, 11 and eight, uh, was a little misguided and it kind of got off seven or eight. In terms of episode second to last, second epi- to last, episode, I think episode seven. Maybe it's maybe is, it's seven. Is, okay. is the one where and we're by the way, yeah, right yeah, at the yeah, top okay. here. Everyone listening, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in, we're gonna spoiler alert. If you have not seen all of season two, right, right. don't listen to this yeah. because we can't talk about certain things without talking about the context of the entire show. Yeah, um, which I found out. I tried to kind of podcast as i watch but then i figured out very fast yeah, you can't i need it. to watch the whole show before i i want to hear right. a discussion about it so we're seeing that at the top if you haven't seen it and you want to listen great but we're gonna spoil it. right yeah don't um, blame us so so back to what you're saying brian it's episode, it's episode seven it's episode right. seven yeah. is kind of the it, it's definitely the the most different episode it feels like a like its own series it feels like a if Stranger Things were to end, where would it go from there? Kind right. Of a thing. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, it opens up a lot of doors right. for what they can do in future seasons of the show. Is it completely necessary to this season? I don't think so. Right. Is it completely necessary to Eleven and her character? Maybe, but not right now. Uh, I think you could you could have done stuff with um, – not going as far as they did. So they went as far as to say Eleven has a sister. Um, there are all these other, um, I don't know if you want to call them outcasts like Eleven was, or people that were a part of this experiment that mm-hmm. Eleven was apparently a part of with the government that have now have the same power, this this uh, telekinesis ability that Eleven has, and they're out there, and they're using their power to fight crime. Right. Really, they're basically superheroes. Yeah, it, 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 the movie, in the darkest way possible. Right. The, the yeah. show turns into Chronicle for one episode. <laughs> really, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And um, and Eleven discovers this world, and it's like, wow, I could be doing this. Um, and uh, her sister's actually going out and finding the person that punished their mom or that made their right. broke their family apart. So there's a lot of emotion behind yeah. what they're doing. But I agree with you, Brian. It, it it was a very good episode in terms of was it well executed? Was I interested? Where the you know was the story good? Yes, but does it fit? Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily think so. Um, but it's still an A episode. Like it was a great. Yeah, episode. I thought it was. A, I thought it was a decent it's just episode. Kind of random. I think it, for me, it was 
very clearly the worst of all the 19 episodes sure. that we've seen up to this point. But it was more about it doesn't have any bearing on this season. And I thought it was going to, you know, they kind of, I mean, the, the, the season opens with that mm-hmm. group. Mm-hmm. And so you really expect them to have more of an impact on what, on the proceedings of season two. And it doesn't at all. All it does is to serve, to open up some doors for season three and, and beyond, which is fine. Like I get that, but I, I guess I would have preferred they do that in a more organic way. Yeah. Like fit, the, basically take that episode and let's like fit it into the other eight episodes so that it doesn't feel exclusively like it's off on its own planet almost, you know, it's just so different from yeah. everything else. I, um, I think it serves two purposes. One of those being a, to open up doors for the future mm-hmm. and B to make the moment or decision by 11 or Jane, as we learn, right. We learn her name is Jane and through that episode. So there's something significant that comes from it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, um, it makes the moment of her returning to the group more significant sure. because she does then realize there is this whole world out there for her and probably a world where she would fit in a lot better mm-hmm. with people who have her same ability that can relate to her. Somebody that's from her family. Right. Um, even if she's not doing what she really agrees with, which is kind of basically why she leaves is right. because I can't do this. I can't just murder people. That's not who I am. Right. But it makes that moment where she comes back to Mike and Hopper all that much more impactful sure. um, when it does happen. So, um, yeah, I would say that's probably the weak point of this season. Um, Speaking of, let's kind of go through this season mm-hmm. and talk about um, maybe each episode. Yeah. Do you have them notes on uh, each one? I don't. Of, I don't. I'll follow your, follow your lead. Did you rewatch season one before? I did. Okay. Uh-huh. I uh-huh. didn't, I didn't uh, rewatch before I watched season two, but I've been, uh, been kind of under the weather the last couple of days, so I've been working from home. Yeah. And I just was like, okay, I'm going to rewatch it now. And it's a, man, it's such an easy rewatch. And I, it is. It's fun to see where it's at or how it all ties into season two and where we're going from there and just kind of be reminded of like what all this stuff was, um, how it all tied in and whatnot. It was, right. it was really good. And it, it plays really well on the rewatch. Something that stuck out to me on the rewatch of season one was how little I care about Nancy and Steve and Barb sure. and the Barb stuff. Uh-huh. Like, <sighs> Justice I mean, for there. Barb doesn't matter Justice, to me at all. It I don't care. It doesn't I really, really don't. I, I just, I mean, that's kind of what people are talking about coming out of season two is the, how that's still kind of the biggest outlier of this whole thing is what that situation's about. And I just don't care, uh-huh. you know, and they make Steve out to be this total douche in the first season, like this complete, like you don't want Nancy to be with him. You want her to be with a nicer guy or whatever you you kind of like have this sister vibe about Nancy mm-hmm. and they flip that on its head and like, Oh, you think he's a douche? Wait till we bring in Billy. <laughs> the king of douche. And it's yeah. so fitting that his yeah. name is Billy uh-huh. because every Billy I knew was the worst person. <laughs> you're automatically going to be a terrible yeah. person if your name yeah, is Billy. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Billy's up yeah, there. It's true. If you're uh sorry, Billy Joel, <laughs> Billy Idol. Yeah. I love me some Billy Joel, Billy but king. his name's William. It's not Billy. Um, this, yeah, I liked that they made that a sympathetic character and how you're actually yeah. rooting for Steve and you're like rooting for that whole 
they, they it's, it's like they said after season one. Yes. How can we make people care about this plot line? And well, they did. I think I give this, I give the Duffer brothers, which is so weird that <laughs> it's so weird to me that people named the Duffer brothers could make something that is as impactful and as nuanced as this. Cause it seems like they should be making like piranha 3d or something right. like that like, by the Duffer brothers. It's like just fairly brother movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. But I think, you know, the season one is a lot about mostly about the setting and the kind of the mystery of what's happening mm-hmm. and yeah. how it's unfolding. Season two is really a lot more of a character study and a character 100%. development for yeah. all of these guys. And yeah. I'm I'm super impressed. You know, I'm sure I said when we did our first episode um, how impressed I am with the casting because it's really hard to find kids that don't suck and to get uh, five or six kids that are actually good. Uh, there's there's really isn't a weak yeah. link as an actor in you know the kid cast that you know you could probably rank them from best actor to worst actor but they're none of them are uh, or none of them are bad and then to uh, develop out those characters and I think really I think the biggest complaints coming out of season one besides the barb contingent which again i just you know if that's your thing that's fine but that's I I just didn't care about that too much but Nancy and Steve both in their own ways are kind of insufferable. Um, Steve got some redemption. I don't think Nancy did in the first season. Nancy really comes off poorly. Um, just in the way that she bounces back and forth between Steve and, um, what's the older brother's name? I'm forgetting. Uh, who's older, brother? Jonathan, uh, the buyers, the older okay, brother. Yeah. She kind of bounces back and forth with them and then ends up with Steve. And it's really, it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I think people, it seems to me like the Duffers and Sean Levy, they really listened to that and came back with a, a way and a, an idea for how to make both of those characters more enjoyable to develop them out a little bit and to make them to where you can not, it's not just sympathetic, but by the end of the season, I really like Nancy and I love Steve. I'm team Steve all the way. That guy rules by the end of this season. And so I, I respect greatly the, um, the kind of impetus of like, okay, this is where we struggled in season one. Now let's try to, let's, let's improve upon that. Let's make them better. Let's find ways to let all these characters develop. And that's, yeah, to me, that's very rare. You just don't see that a lot in this kind of, uh, of a show. You would, you would think that the main, the main thing that they would do in season two is try to amp up the narrative and the action and, and all that sort of stuff. And they, you know, they do that fairly well, but that's not the main focus, I guess. Yeah. To that point, I would say that season one is more, let's meet these kids Season two is let's get to know these. Yeah, kids. absolutely. Um, you, yeah. you, you, each kid, um, as far as kind of the four of them goes, is gets their time. Mm-hmm. Um, you get so much more stuff with Mikey. Uh, you get so much more stuff with Will, even though Will's in and out of the season, right. just like the first season. You, you, you're with Winona Ryder. You're with his older brother. You know, as they're searching for him, and um, yeah, even. Dustin and his situation with his grandma or mom or uh, yeah, I think grandma. it's his mom, but I'm not sure. Um, you get a lot of stuff there, and even Lucas gets his time with uh-huh. his family, yeah. his little sister, who's adorable. Mm-hmm. And there are some great moments there. She's a scene stealer for sure, a hundred percent. And uh, just the dinner scene at Lucas's house is great, and uh, you really feel, I'm sure, like the Duffer brothers felt when they 
made the show when they decided to do it that each of these kids could lead this thing if they wanted to. Sure. Um, I will suggest, side recommend here, Beyond Stranger Things, which is the after show that Netflix produced for this, which is, you know, they're interviewing the cast and creators and things. Uh, They actually show on, I think, the second episode of that, they show the audition tapes for the four kids. Uh Uh-huh. And all four kids do the exact same audition, the same lines, right? And so it didn't feel like they really had roles in mind for these four kids, you know? Um, I think they probably had personality traits they wanted them to fall into. Sure. But I think their biggest struggle was probably finding which kid goes to which role because you could screw that up super easily and this whole thing couldn't work. Yeah. And I think the only kid or the Gatton that plays Dustin was was he was the first kid that they said he's in the show. He's kind of be he's kind of got to be that guy. Yeah. He's got the look. He's got the humor. You know the um and some of the character traits are based upon right. And he has to be kind of goofy and kind of an outcast and all that tooth thing. Right. Right. And the speech impediment things like that. Um, but other than that, I mean, they're all super strong Mm -hmm. and um. I just love that ensemble of those, just yeah. those four characters. If there was no Nancy, if there was no Hopper, if there was no Winona, I would be all in on just those four right. kids right. and them going to school and doing whatever. I yeah. just think they're so talented. Well, and I think there's a, I think there's a version of this show that probably is just those kids and Hopper right. that yeah. doesn't involve I, Joyce I, or Jonathan. I, I or, should or actually Nancy. do that. I should edit this show down to that. And see what it would be. Yeah, and I don't, I, I don't know that it would be better, but I think it, it could ease th- that could easily exist. And yeah. I think that it, sh- to me, you know, we talk all the time about the lack of, di- certainly the lack of diversity, but also the lack of strength in uh, female characters and um, and POC characters and. You know, this show, Lucas is, uh, to me, season one, you could, I think you, it was real easy to say Lucas is kind of the token black character, but I don't think that that yeah. was, I don't think that that was fair or accurate. I think that was a, an accurate representation of what small town Indiana was going to be like right. in the 80s. And they use his character really well. Joyce is a really strong character, mm-hmm. particularly in season one. Um, season one is much more, you know, when I, Renona Ryder is the the lead uh, for the show, the lead, you know, the top build right. person, you know, season two, I think it's shifted and the kids have kind of come into their own some, and David Harbor is like becoming a star right now oh, before yeah. our eyes. And he is awesome. And that character yeah. is great. And, um, but anyway, my point, I think there's a lot of, I think it would have been very easy to make this five kids and a mentor type of a show that we see a lot and it would be fine, right. but the you know the side characters bring a lot of depth from you know the AV teacher in season one, who I love, uh, I think yeah. is, is great casting, all the way down into uh, the parents in, in season two, and then adding somebody like Max and um, and you know freaking Paul Reiser's right. Great, I was about to say you know? he's great. You're adding a, a Paul Reiser. You're adding a Sean Astin right. to the cast. Yeah. Who Sean Astin is great in he this. Killed, I always yeah. I always forget about him until he does something like this, and you're just like, God, that guy's, he's just, you know, he's just kind of American treasure status, you know, like, he hasn't hasn't done that much great, I mean, Lord of the Rings is obviously the biggest thing he's done, Goonies, obviously, but he's just, I think he knows his role, and he knows why he's brought there, and it's like, hey, you're a little bit of 80s nostalgia, Uh don't overdo this thing, and, um... 
the thing about him perfect. is yeah the thing about him is he is he as an actor and i think this is really who he is as a person too and that's part of it but he's very very earnest and everything he does on screen is very earnest and if you're not going to if you're not going to lean into that it really there's no point in having Sean Astin in your in your movie or your show or whatever and you know you look at like the that's Sam is very earnest and Bob is very earnest and that plays really well to what he is good at and um and kind of playing that you know the dopey cheesy stepdad really really worked for him I think it was a great addition yeah there was something about Sean Astin um that they didn't want him in it or something like that. Uh, I'm reading here in Vanity Fair. They talk about it in Beyond Stranger Things. I can't remember the reason, but there was something like um, they didn't think he fit in the show uh, or something, or they thought it would be weird, but then they put him on camera, and they're like, we can't get enough of this guy. That's like, great. absolutely sure. nailing yeah. it. And his whole scene with Will, and there's a, I mean, this is fanboy talk, but there's rumors that, like, the timelines line up to where he could have been in Stephen King's it, like one of the kids with Pennywise where he's telling the story about the evil clown and like okay. how he told it to go uh, away. That's for saying that he would have been the right age to have been <laughs> in it. So, okay. Um, I don't know if that's true. Maybe that's just a, an Easter egg for, for Finn being in it this yeah. year. You yeah. know, um, he, anyway, Sean Asin fits this like a glove. Yeah. And, I mean, imagine him getting the call. How many projects does he do? And they're I like, know. oh, yeah. Hey, Sean, uh, they want you for Stranger Things. Right. He's probably like, oh, my God. Yeah, you know, Man, he works perfect. It's so <laughs> cool, too, that all these – I don't know. I, I'm a big fan of letting side characters have a part in the actual narrative and not mm-hmm. just be – background basically Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like so having him come in and be the one who recognizes immediately that what will is drawing is is a map is so cool and it fit and to see him his like nerd radar turn on immediately of like how can we figure this out is really a it fits the character which is great but it i don't know it it brings it brings some some emotional depth to like our attachment to the character and then that you know, ultimately makes his, you know, his untimely passing, uh, it, it works, you know, and, and it hits home and somebody has to die. You know, we can't have everybody come out of this, um, fine. And I'm sorry that it had to be Bob, but it, it makes it work to where you're like, okay, he had his heroic moment and he was a key part of what was happening. And so there's like some, there's some loss there. It's not just like the red coat goes out and dies in star Trek, you know? Of course. Yeah. I, I definitely felt that he was necessary. Um, it's so funny too that another conversation I've heard is stranger things is more about more than about, um, looking back at Steven Spielberg's movies and saying, gosh, what great moments these were. Let's recreate them and pay homage to them. And it's more about the innocence of childhood Uh and the innocence of the 1980s. Yeah. I mean, think about, um, for example, in the show a lot, they use the walkie talkies, Mm -hmm. right? They use the, the limitation of kids having walkie talkies as a major plot device in the show. Um, Something really important they need to tell somebody, oh, sorry, he's out of range, right. can't hear you. Yeah. Um, something, they're just chatting, oh, they're in perfect range, they can hear each other. You know, uh, Dustin's got the little headset, it doesn't yeah. matter where he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very convenient, right? Right. Um, it's just, 
how much of this show would completely change right or not exist if they had the internet or right. if they had yeah, a cell yeah, phone yeah. or yeah. something like that it yeah. does it's like this story could only take place yes during this period of time right and it's very possible that it could have because who would know because there was no internet you know? <laughs> <So> <laughs> right exactly it almost feels exactly. historic in a way yeah. it's weird yeah i love that and i think that you know <laughs> i've kind of i feel like um the last few years we've had a lot of movies and properties and TV shows and stuff that are um that are built around nostalgia somewhat or that call into that that's part of their like equation that's the um, only thing they're trying to offer i yes i'm sure there's plenty that are like that um i feel like because of maybe because of some of them or some of those types of of movies and TV shows are bad um, I feel like there's been a there's been a backlash against anything that has to that has any nostalgia built into it, and I I reject that. It makes me yeah. very angry when people, you know, if you don't like Stranger Things, fine, but don't dislike it because oh, it's just it's just nostalgia. I think that's bullcrap. I think that's a really easy cop out. For not yeah, liking somebody's something. like, I'll just I'll just watch ET. Yeah, and it's like, same for okay. like Force Awakens. People who complained about the yeah. the uh, the nostalgia of Force Awakens, I just I felt like was I felt like that was you Do looking you for a way to be contrarian. <laughs> yeah. And the same for like a book like uh, Ready Player One, which I love. It's my favorite book of all time. If you don't like the book, you don't like the book. But I get tired of the notion that like, oh, it's just built on nostalgia. That's all it is. I think right. that's really lazy and and false. And so I've seen like a little bit of that of like, well, you know, kind of what you're saying can't as a positive, spinning it as a negative. Like, we couldn't, it couldn't happen if it wasn't the '80s and it's just built on '80s. Mm-hmm. And I think that's crap. I think you're telling you're telling an '80s story, so it has to be engrossed in the 80s right. you can't just be um you, you can't just like take a 2015 movie and plug it into 1984 and have it turn out the right way it right. has to right. feel authentic it has to feel real and i feel I, i've always felt like um through these 19 episodes we've that's been a big part of the equation is not just like i don't know not just playing on your nostalgia personally but being actively in the time period oh, that it's set in. And yeah. that's, there's a big difference there. It feels so accurate. I'm not so accurate to the time, but it feels... Uh, in a way, it feels like it was shot back then. Does uh-huh. that, does sure, it, yeah, it yeah, does yeah, such a good job yeah. of fitting right like a glove into yeah. that into that time If they period. had HD cameras in 1984, this right. is what it and I think they like. probably even yeah. shot this on 35, just sure. to be safe. But um, it feels uh-huh. like it's straight out of it and i love the way that they work nostalgia into it naturally yes into the plot yes like not just throwing hit songs at you left and right like remember this remember that it really does feel like no these kids were into this into playing dungeons and right. dragons that's right. why they're playing it because kids like playing dungeons and dragons and the arcade games and, stuff. and yeah. the, so the, the it opens with an arcade and they're playing dragon's lair which was maybe the most <laughs> I don't know, controversial, not controversial game, but like people always used to complain that it would steal your money right. or it was that very challenging. it was yeah. very challenging. And there's a scene where Dustin's like this stupid piece of ass, like, yeah. mother yeah. effort, you yeah. know, like cussing yeah. at the game and stuff. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, and then dig Doug, they play that. And there's a, obviously an episode called that, but 
it, it plays a big major role in terms of what is the th- the theme of this season uh-huh. in terms of the tunneling and the right. monsters in the right. tunnel and like those little hints like that that they actually mean something. It's not just oh they're playing Dig Dug. Right. They really like Dig Dug. Right. Um, it actually did mean something. And right. I, I love that stuff. And I think people people who are cynical want to play that off as like. I don't know, as convenient. And I just think, well, that's I think that's good writing. I think that's no, it is. Strong because they, 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 they had all piece together. They had the entire, they were talking about it. The Duffer Brothers were talking about it, that they had the entire, they knew what they were going to do. They they were just able to attach these pieces of nostalgia right. to it. Yes. Like the, uh, I think the Demogorgon thing. Yes. They they had the, the monster and like, how can we work this? Oh, Demogorgon is part of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Oh, that works great. Right. Because and it would be na- Exactly. It would be natural that the right. kids would think of it that right. way. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Same with the Mind Flayer. Same with the, the the Mind Flayer here and the Upside Down, I think was actually called something else originally. It was called the Nether, I think. That's okay. what it was called. Something like that. So they found, they found ways to uh, to work those in. But I love that. And speaking of nostalgia, Brian, I don't know about you, maybe my favorite episode of TV in the past <laughs> a long while is episode two, where the Halloween episode where the kids dress up and the sequence of them going to school in the Ghostbusters oh outfits gosh. and they oh. get off the bus and then they have the argument about who's going to yeah. be Vankman <laughs> and then they go in and they realize nobody's in costume. Oh, gosh. That might be my favorite television sequence of all time it's already like so classic it's so good yeah it's again ghostbusters (laughs) came out that summer so those kids right would have been so pumped doing that so pumped got their halloween costumes (laughs) can't wait to halloween yeah and then you mix that with the if you've ever been at school and you like forgot to dress up for for western day you're the only red ribbon week yeah normal clothes and everybody's (laughs) dressed in western and how awkward that is And I love the way in the teaser trailer too. They the first teaser trailer to this season was there's that one shot of of Dustin like walking into the school in the Ghostbusters outfit and he turns around, and he like has that look of fear, like that yeah. Spielberg face uh-huh. look of yeah. fear. And it turns out in the show that he's he goes, Oh my god, nobody else is in costume. Like that's what he's not looking at some like demogorgon or anything, you know? It's yes. just yeah. that the thing that scares you most as a kid was Oh my God, we might not fit in today. Yeah. This, this and the social anxiety of being a teenager and being a preteen and going into high school and getting your first kiss and all of those things that right. they kind of push aside in season one. They, they let them out there in season two. Yeah. But I just think episode two was just mm-hmm. if that did they don't win every Emmy for that episode. I don't know what will. <laughs> I mean, good lord, yeah. just so good. Yeah, that was great. Um, I love. I think it's episode two, might be three, where we start to get. Where you get um, the introduction to D'Artagnan, and, yeah, and just kind of see you can see where this is headed, yeah, um, because you know we're not dumb kids, and so you can kind of see where it's going, right? But, but I think it plays out really well, and and they did a good job of um, of building that tension uh, through the next couple of episodes up until yeah, up until you get the reveal on how big he is and the cat oh. that he's eaten, and then and then that leading to. <laughs> the greatest you know this show does a lot of of pairing off 
of the group. You know, you have you have Nancy go with Jonathan, and you have um, uh, Lucas and and Dustin at times, and yeah. Will and and D- Mike yeah. are super close. You can tell they're kind of like the closest Dustin of and the Steve, group. Yeah. And now you have Dustin and Steve, and that uh-huh. was. I, I mean, that to me was, <laughs> that was the greatest, that was the best dynamic of anybody uh-huh. in the show. And it was so much fun to watch Steve, especially, I loved it watching season two, but then, you know, today and yesterday going back and watching um, season one and see, he gets some redemption in season one for sure, but his character really comes full circle or I guess gets full redemption, comes a full 180, if you will, um, in this season. And it's fun. It's fun to watch him take on that personality and to, mm-hmm. you know, use his, I don't know, his his popularity for, for good <laughs> in a way. Yeah. And it's it's just fun. That, that, that dynamic between those two is, is hilarious to me. And I love that, um, <laughs> you know, that he's like, do you still have your bat? And he's just like... Of course I have my bat. I hit a freaking Demogorgon with this right. thing. I'm never going to not have this bat on my person, <laughs> you know. I love that. I thought it was hilarious. And it and it just gets better from there, I think. It's a it's a great combination between those two. Yeah, it's really I mean, they've done a great job that any like I said any character could be the main person, but I think what they realized with with season 2 is 11 is our is our character. Mm-hmm. Eleven, this is Eleven's story. Sure. I always used to think it was Mike's story about his best friend, Will. Right. But I think this is Eleven's story, and we just meet Will first. I mean, we, I mean, we just meet, meet Will and, and mm-hmm. her, the gang first. You yeah. know, I really think that um, Eleven's not just um, a door into the Upside Down. Yes. I think that Eleven is the main focus. And my favorite moments of the season, other than that one episode as a whole are when 11 is out by herself in the wilderness and surviving yeah. and that whole revenant stuff of her killing <laughs> the animals. I, I just, right. I thought that was incredible. It's super, takes a lot of skill for Millie Bobby Brown to be able to pull that stuff mm-hmm. off. And then the dynamic between her and Hopper, of yeah. Gosh. the kind of, you know, old man, Logan X 23 vibe of I'm trying to protect you, but you're so powerful. You don't know what to do with yourself. I just thought that back and forth was great and yeah. the drama there was real and you felt like they were a family, but not a family, a fake family, adopted right. family. Yeah. There's so much tension there and it was just great. Yeah. I think, you know, Steve and uh, Dustin's my favorite mm-hmm. combo, but the, but Hopper and Eleven, that's the strength of the show. And I wonder sometimes... David Harbour has been around for a long time and he's done a lot of work, uh, usually as, you know, the sixth lead or something. And I wonder a lot of times with a career character actor, if directors, whether it's a TV show or a movie, I always wonder if they know what they've got when they cast a guy like that. Yeah. And in this case, like, for example, John Hamm's a great example. John Hamm had been in the business for a decade plus uh, before he got Mad Men. And part of the deal with him was he's always been very um, self-deprecating about like he's looked like he's 45 since he was 15 years old. And so that was part of the reason why he could never get a lead is because he's 22 and he's going out for characters that are 22 years old. And they're like, you look like you're 45, dude, we can't cast you in this. And then 
I think Matt Weiner saw. Uh, I think Matt Weiner saw this, this guy is a generational talent, at least in terms of like how we can use him on this show. And, um, and that was like instantaneous from episode one. Don Draper is iconic from the first minute of episode of, of episode one of Mad Men. This one is a little different to me. David Harbour is an incredible actor. And I wonder if when they cast him, they thought, well, we have however much money to budget, for our chief of police we've got a he's got a little bit of backstory so that's you know we need somebody who can do something we can't just go out and grab the 60 year old ver- or the 50 year old version of kellen lutz you right, know we got to right. get somebody who can act a little bit but it doesn't have we're not going to be able to afford someone with a real name value uh-huh. and then as the and then they screen go, tested yeah, and like man this guy really this looks really apart. good yeah. and yeah. then you start because i, I uh, re-watching season one his part it's not just that he's getting more screen time. It's that he's getting more quality screen time as the, as the season goes. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wonder if as they're making this show, they're like, holy crap, this guy's really good. We got to get more from yeah. him. Yeah. And then that leads to um, in season two, he's just a full on force. Because, I mean, it's really, truly, it's 11 and then it's, it's Hopper and it's, it's those two. And that's the force behind the entire season to me you know all these other characters are great i love that will's getting some time i love all the kids i love joyce all of it's great um nancy and steve developing stuff but but it's it's hopper who really i think comes to the forefront as like this guy's like an actual this is a star that we've got right here and he's so good in that role they've put their two biggest stars together right Uh for honestly almost a whole episode right and it's Super strong. It it's not like those it's episodes so of like. Yeah. It's not like those episodes of of Walking Dead where it's just oh, it's just yeah. uh, you know Daryl and and somebody <laughs> and they're walking through and Michonne and they're walking right. through the forest and you're just like can we get back to the other <laughs> yeah, characters yeah, exactly it's like yeah. they could carry the show right um it could be just them too I mm-hmm. love their dynamic it's yeah. it's super good um speaking of dynamics let's talk about Max yeah and what she brings i love the love love triangle between max and lucas and dustin yeah it's good um i think they i wasn't sold on that character early on and i felt like it was just kind of a replacement we have to find a way to get um a girl in the cast now that 11's off doing her own thing and um but she she was really good, and she by you know episode four or five she really has become as much a part of the you know little the party as uh, as the rest of them. I, Billy did not need to. I don't think Billy serves any purpose for this show. Man, the scenes, the scene where I think it's episode two again uh-huh. when they're walking home from Halloween. Yeah. And they're in the car, and he's going to hit him with the car. Right. That might be the most one of the more powerful scenes in, the, in the show. It's tense. And for when sure. she uses her power, or or she forces him to miss them, or whatever. Right. 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 Yeah. That is the wheel, or whatever. And Billy's just screaming at her. Yeah. I mean, that's just like you need to get her out of this situation. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. I just felt like so it, it was hard to for the first few episodes. It was hard to separate Max from Billy. And, uh, and, but then once that was kind of established, I felt like Max kind of came into her own Billy. I don't know what we're doing with Billy. Cause it felt like the majority of the season, it kind of felt like they were leading up to something. Um, Lindsay thought we might find out that, that 
um, there's that their dad, that his dad or, and her stepdad or whatever was going to be Paul Reiser's character that, that they'd moved to town so that he could take over the lab or something like that. And I think that, I don't know if that was ever a reality, you know, anything that could ever really happen, but I think the deal was, I think we were all kind of searching for like, okay, how is this going to tie in? Cause we keep getting these yeah. little, these little hints of a backstory with him and why they're now on Hawkins and stuff, but it never really comes to fruition mm-hmm. and you get to the end and it's like, I kind of feel like we could have accomplished this whole season. He's fine. The actor did a fine job. The characters, you know, whatever. But, um, I just don't know that it served any purpose. And for me, it took a while to separate him from, from Max just in terms of like their usefulness for the show. Yeah, I think so too. Um, what do we think about Eleven's backstory? And we learn more about her family who we, about her Papa Hawkins lab guy. Who's more like her, probably the one who brought her into the experiment. Right. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so there's him and then there's her, her actual mom, we think right. it is. Right. Um, what did we think about learning more about that? It was interesting to get that backstory on her. I liked the episodes with her by herself. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was, I thought it was a bold choice to, to keep the party separate right up until like the last minute of episode eight, basically. Um, that was a, an interesting choice. I think that the Brenner stuff is going to come back to play in season three or season four. And, um, and that'll be fine. I would be more interested, I think in her trying to reconnect with, or the people or, you know, the others, the the one, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, and, and 10, if they were to come back into play, I'd be a little more interested in that than I would with Brenner coming back. But I think they opened that door too wide to not go through it in also, season three. A question is why are there three digits on the other? So there's at least a right. hundred of these. <laughs> right. Maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah. So there's yeah. another, I was listening on the way in, I was listening to uh geek one Oh one and they were, I guess they were thinking there was a possibility that like Paul Reiser's character was going to be an original test subject that like he would have uh-huh. a tattoo that he was number one or something like that. Oh, okay. I never Maybe. caught onto that. and never, never theorized that. And I don't think yeah. that that's, that's what it is, but it was an interesting uh, concept. I really liked idea. that. I mean, as much as I talk smack about episode seven, I love them when they come out of the van, they got the masks yeah, on. It cool. It's super like, this could be a movie. Well, and it flips it on its head too, because you get that. That's the first scene of the whole season. That's not in Hawkins. Right. Exactly. And, and, um, and I think, and maybe maybe you thought differently, Kim. Uh-huh. But when I'm when I was watching that, I would have assumed that they're running out of this building because they've just committed a robbery and they're trying to get away with it. And uh-huh. it turns out, no, they're just murdering people, and right? Stuff. And to get that flip, that really changes, that pushes. I don't know, kind of, it kind of um, hits the accelerator a little bit on the timeline for for 11 and how she's going to interact with these people. I thought that was, that was as much as is that episode kind of is unimportant to the plot of the, the show overall to me. Um, I think it was smart to escalate that quickly from, you know, it's one thing for her to stick around for a while if they're just doing robberies and stuff, uh, but uh. when it's straight up, they're just out there murdering people. That's a different yeah. game. And that, that changes the dynamic quickly. Big unanswered question for me still, and I don't know where you fall on it, is still unclear. And I thought with with Chapter 2, um, we would get more explanation. 
what is the upside down? We still don't know if it's an alternate place or if it's an alternate dimension mm-hmm. because oftentimes, I mean, they literally go underground and they seem to be in the upside down, right? With right. all the, um, I guess the hint that they use is all the stuff floating around and everything. Um, is it a physical place? Is it a state of mind that you go to? Mm. What is it? We still don't really sure. kind of know. Is it a, a projection of the future and they're trying to stop that from happening because they're in Hawkins, obviously. The buildings are destroyed in some elements right. of it. Like, what is that? Right. And um, they still haven't explained, which leads me to believe there's more seasons to sure. come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've always taken it as it's just like a parallel universe uh-huh. um, to or an, whatever, a parallel dimension, whatever you want to you want to call it. And what's always been interesting to me, and they've never quite completely answered this. I think I feel like they've hinted at it, but but on the rewatch, I don't think they just came out and said that her touching the demogorgon is what ultimately rips open the hole uh-huh. between our she know, dimensions gate, or whatever. Right. I think that's implied, but they don't. But ever is it a gate to a place, or is it a exa- gate to a dimension? Right, right. Because the government knows where the door is because they've got it blocked right. off, and they can go in and out and right, do this whole right. thing. Where are they going? Are they going to – is that a gateway to Planet X? You know, sure. I just don't understand yeah, where that plays in the Earth or yeah. what the – I think it. we're definitely getting that um, for, for season three. I'm excited for three and four. I think they greenlit two seasons, Yeah, right? Um, I don't know how long this can go because at some point the kids aren't – Young kids, and yeah. cute and kids anymore, and you've got it. That changes how. If I was them, I'd works. be shooting it like today. Exactly. Yeah, like you, now. you should be shooting all the episodes uh-huh. you can get in right now. Yeah. But there's, I felt like, I felt like season one, we closed, we ended. It left you on kind of a positive note with the egos in the the box mm-hmm. and everything, mm-hmm. and you could have walked away from that saying, "Okay, we're we're done. That was mm-hmm. awesome. I'm going to rewatch this next year, and it's going to be great." Season two, I feel like there's you know, a half dozen doors that they yeah. could go through that would all be very interesting to me. I think, I think they, I think the Duffers and, and, and Sean Levy deserve a lot of credit for, for very, I think at least very naturally opening up possibilities of, of where you go from here. Do you bring back eight? Do you bring back, um, Brenner? Do you have, uh, the shadow monster, the mind flare, whatever? Is there a way for, for that thing to, come back into the world. Dustin and Hopper both got exposed to the particles or right. whatever. You know, how does that play out? Are yeah. there, you know, is, is one through seven out there somewhere? Then could they come back? I mean, it's, there's a lot that could happen that feels very natural to the, you know, what's already been laid out. I hundred percent agree. I'm excited to see where they go. Another standout scene was Dustin with all the baseball equipment on, like <laughs> leading dart out with yeah. the baloney, and then them, them doing that on the train tracks as well. Yeah, and that's why he has to recruit Steve to like help him. Right, I love that too. It was great. It's just him by himself, like being funny, yeah. and that kid is good. That dynamic that works talented. so well, man. It does it's so much fun. And um, I think we should talk about the last episode because. Man, this this felt like the last episode of Breaking Bad. Like so much yeah, is happening. Strong. There's a lot happening. Yeah. And if season two, I mean, episode two doesn't win the Emmys, then episode nine definitely mm. will. Really, really good. Closing the gate, kind of wrapping up the physical stuff. But then the entire series kind of culminates on this this snowball, this bomb, yeah. yeah, kind of moment. And I thought that was just perfect. Yeah, I mean, too. the way it ends, it's just like. 
they're playing time after you know, time, and yeah. every breath you take is playing, <laughs> right, and it's just right. like, gosh, this is such this one of the greatest songs ever. Written. Why we watch um, TV? Man. Yeah, you know that is another thing that I'm sure we talked about it in our in our season one review. Um, it's very difficult to cast. I mean, you how many shows do we or movies do we see where that has one child actor where you're like that kid ruined, you know, the whole thing. I mean, it's not the kid's fault. Kids, right. you know, they don't know any better, but like... Star Wars. You know, if Phantom Menace, for all of its flaws, if Jake Lloyd was just like, like an average child actor, that movie is, I don't know, 25% better, you know? Because it, it's just mm-hmm. not excruciating every time he's on screen. Um, you've, we've talked about The Walking Dead. The Carl is the most beat down character on that show and it's you know it's a whipping so i think it has to do with a lot with the duffer brothers too oh i absolutely because yeah yeah steven spielberg like if you saw the spielberg doc Uh just the way he works with kids yes gets them to act great you know they just know how to talk to them and get them to say what they want and all that it's a completely it's a skill set that's not just i know how to direct a show or a movie it's re it's being able to interact with with kids and so to be able to take to get a to cast kids that can act b to get good performances out of them and then c to your point can't to i think something that the show gets really right and does really well is understanding that even if they are out here fighting demogorgons and stuff, Demodogs. they're still kids. Mm-hmm. And you have, if you're going to, if the medium through which you're going to tell your story is kids, then you have to let them be kids. And and you have to get that stuff right. And so, man, I thought that, I thought that the snowball thing was like, I guess if you're cynical, you could say that that's, you know, a really convenient bow to tie on to everything but i thought that was i thought that was perfect i thought you needed to give those kids something positive at the end of all this that they've been through and i thought that the the way in which that transpired of mike waiting for the date and the and a date coming and a girl coming up and asking will to dance and max finally pairing off with um with lucas and then nancy having maybe her most redeeming moment of you know helping out her, her her brother's friend and stuff. I, I thought that was awesome. And I and I felt like the the entire It was organic. It was real. Right. Wasn't the, it? They I mean, said the Duffers when they said that they were like writing season two and they were filling out the note cards on here's the moments we want to hit. They said Snowball right. was the first thing they put up. Like this is where it's gonna end, right? And Nancy and Dustin moment of her Dancing with him yeah. was number two. That's awesome. It's like yeah. those two are definitely yeah. in there. I, and I love, man, if this was the last season, the way that they wrap it up, like you said, into a bow of season one, episode one starts with Dustin, hey, you want some pizza? Right. And she shuts the door in his face, right? right? Yeah. And for it to yeah. end like this, of him getting to dance yeah. with her at the prom or whatever, yeah, just so cool, so good. Right. And for her to say, you know, you were always my favorite of my brother's right. friends and just like he's crying because he got rejected right. and yeah it's just so natural and the, real yes, exactly and the way they they talk to each other through the whole 19 episodes is yeah. is real and i you know even things like mm-hmm. dustin and lucas kind of fighting at some point 
I felt like in a lot of shows or movies, you might get that might get dragged out for you know for three episodes or for an hour or something of them like kind of feuding over something that's kind of dumb and doesn't really matter and instead i think what's much more realistic we've all you know at that age my best friend and i we we were inseparable but we constantly have little bickering about this and that and i think that's really normal for most kids and 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 typically what happens in that you're you're kind of you're you're ticked off for five minutes and then you bury the hatchet and you move on and i I don't know i think that that shows again like the understanding of what it's like to be a kid and and letting that play out on screen i think um you didn't see it brian but it has the same it has finn wolfhard in it right as the lead so it already has this kind of feeling, but the way the kids talk in it felt a lot more natural to like how I feel like 12 year olds really talk. Sure. Like they're almost over cussing, just mm-hmm. trying to yeah, impress yeah, yeah. each yeah. other, you know, sure. sure, and see who's the coolest kid. Right. It really felt like towards the end of this season, they started to go that direction. Yeah. Like these uh-huh. kids are growing up now right. and they're saying things right. and doing things that they wouldn't have done in right. the first season. That yeah, just totally felt agree. weird. They're maturing into themselves and I like that. And, um, on beyond stranger things, um, just one more thing I'll mention before we talk about the end here is um, uh, at the prom where you have Lucas kissing Max, right? And then you have that moment with Eleven and um, and Mike. Uh, hearing them talk about it on the show, like they were just as nervous about it as they were in, <laughs> sure. on the show. Yeah. Like they, yeah. Those kids had never really kissed anyone right. ever before. Yeah. And they had to do it on the show. And they said the Duffer brothers just said, Oh, are you ready? You got a kiss today? And it was never in the script, and they thought right. they were just joking about it, you know? Yeah. And um, it, they actually had to work themselves up for it. And just, hearing the kids talk about <laughs> oh, it is funny. Man, that's got to be but awkward. One, men- one moment I want to mention is the moment where um, Eleven comes back at the end of episode eight, and I think it's the beginning of episode nine when Mike has the blow up to Hopper. It's uh-huh. like, you hit her from yeah. me. Yeah. And and he has to explain, I'm trying to protect her. Right. That is just such a good... Yeah, it was great. I mean, he's just great. berating him and screaming and crying and oh, punching. Yeah. It's just so good. Yeah, it's great. I'm a... You know, anyone who's listening to this show knows I'm a big sucker for those kind of moments, like the the surrogate father kind of relationships or surrogate parent relationships. And I love um, the way Hopper is developed in this season of like his, this kind of protector for all of these kids and that, yes, like it's very natural with her, with 11, but then you get to see it with Mike too. And it was really cool. I, I love that stuff. I'm a big sucker for that. So Brian, I said my, uh, favorite moment of the season, maybe of TV history. Um, <laughs> what is one moment of this season where you're just like, man. And one more thing I want to say, I can't stress to you enough how much of a difference the score makes on this. Oh yeah. It yeah, is yeah. so good. Great. It adds that just, it puts you in that element of stranger things. I mean, I don't know what this show would be without the score. I mean, it's not only that it sounds like the eighties, but it's actually good music. Mm-hmm. And, um, it just fits it so perfectly. It's not like they just said, let's grab some synths and right, some, right, 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 some right, drums. Right. Like it's yeah. actually creative and it adds emotion in the right times. And it's just so, innovative yeah it adds the perfect element to this Mm -hmm. and even better with season two yeah go ahead um i think my favorite parts were you know i mentioned steve and steve and dustin just the way they interact with each other and was 
I mean, I was just dying laughing the way they were going back and forth and, and Steve giving Dustin advice on how to talk to girls and stuff was great. Um, it was cool when 11 comes back and throws the dimmed dog through the, through the window. That was, I mean, you knew that was coming, yeah. but it still, I think was very effective. Um, and man, I love, we didn't talk about this, but I love the scene. The idea of will is will, but he's also the shadow monster oh, and we've yeah. got to keep him from like, realizing where it's he like is and a, stuff. Uh, exorcism. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. I like that. That yeah. sequence of them kind of interrogating him yeah. in the shed and then the Morse code and all that, that was a really, I thought that was a really smart and, and cool way to, to go about that process and like seeing how that, how that gets resolved yeah. is really cool. And another moment in episode seven is when, um, they're teaching Eleven how to use her abilities and yeah. talking about how when she flipped the car, think about how you felt during that moment, mm-hmm. not about, yeah, you know, just kind of her training her mind into using her powers right. is, is uh, something that'll come up. But man, this is so strong. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited for, for season three. I assume it'll be another year at least until we see that. But uh, man, it, I just couldn't get enough. I'm excited to watch it again. I'm going to watch it again this week. I've already planned on it. Um, but as far as it's better than season one, it's I think hard, it's man. just as good. I don't know if it's better, but it's just as good. I think the season one is just so iconic. I mean, yeah. you can't, yeah. you can't match that. Right. Just the, the memories you have the right. first time, but I just think it's, they, they built on everything. Yeah. I think there's something to be said for the surprise factor of season one. That is certainly yeah. that's missing from this just because we knew what to expect now. Um, <laughs> I feel like that one episode episode seven or whatever, it brings it down a little bit, but I'm big on characters and character development and stuff. And this, this season, so this season really hit home for me on that front. I I think I'm with you. I don't really want to pick one or the other. I think I graded out season one as an A and I would say the same for, for this. And it's, man, it's fun to watch. And it's, you know what too, it's, it's fun we don't have shows like this very often anymore that are, you know, we, we whatever, that are water cooler shows. Yeah. You know, you don't – Game of Thrones is um, to some extent. And I, before that, maybe like Breaking Bad. I don't know. It, it's rare because we have so many TV shows now. It's rare that you get like a cultural excitement for one particular show and you feel confident right. that like – it's one of the things I like about the Marvel movies is that I know that if I'm at a party and I'm standing next to somebody that I don't know and I'm in like an awkward social situation, I could probably say, oh, did you see Thor or you know Spider-Man Homecoming or something? And even if they didn't like it or I didn't like it, we can at least like have something that we can talk about and there's a pretty good chance that they saw the movie and I've seen the movie and all that sort of stuff. That's – I like that. I like that there's yeah. we we've kind of we've kind of lost that with TV just because there's like 700 TV shows on now and stuff. And yeah. so this is one where it it really does feel like everyone is super excited about it. I know lots of people are excited to listen to us talk about it, which is dumb, but yeah. um but just that you can have this conversation with probably 80% of the people in your life and they at least know what you're talking about, you know, and maybe you can have like a full, Oh, yeah. I love when, you know, that kind of conversation. And that's, that's something that we're kind of missing out on right now. I know I've said, I totally agree. Um, I know I've said one more thing, but I'm gonna say one more thing, <laughs> more times. Um, 
I love Eleven's transformation into like the punk too. Yeah, that was like really she's the, yeah. like the the Ali Sheedy character from mm-hmm. Breakfast Club, mm-hmm. like wearing the dark hair, yeah. slicked back, and the whole like leather coat or whatever. I love that um, transformation too. And we do have an idea of how popular this is. Um, they said oh, somebody released a metric. I think um, Nielsen does some kind of test or something to try to find because ne- Netflix doesn't release their stats. Right. Um, but Nielsen does a, a a system of how to find it. But so they said an estimated three hundred sixty thousand people binged the entire show within the first day or two days. Wow! Wow! Um, every episode, and that over fifteen million wow. watched at least the first episode. That's crazy. They said that that puts it on par with Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead. Yeah, for, sure. Um, sure. Popularity. So yeah. that's legit. How popular it is? It's that's as awesome. popular as Game of Thrones. Um, I think there's a difference too, Brian, in the fact that you can watch all of these at once mm-hmm. and a show like Game of Thrones, you do have to wait right. and you don't have that same, right. There's pros and cons to both sides. Did you see it? Yeah. You know, sure. uh, and, um, making you feel kind of left out for not watching it mm-hmm. all and being able to watch it all and then watch it again and do, yeah. I just, the way Netflix has done binge watching and made that a thing is, is has changed the game. It really yeah. has. You know, I like week to week viewing on some things if people are watching it. You know, that's the thing that I, I probably like more than anything else about Game of Thrones is that everybody's watching that show and we can talk about it, you know, and have the suspense of what's going to happen the next uh, episode or the next week. But there's something to be said too for being able to be like, hey, how much have you seen? Oh, I've only seen four episodes. Okay, don't don't talk to me until you've seen it all or whatever. And having those kind of conversations, that's a lot of fun too. Exactly. Well, there you have it. Stranger Things too. I'm sure I, w- I want to talk more about this, honestly. <laughs> we've gone for an hour and, and um, we've met our quota for the evening. But um, if this ever comes up again, I'd be glad to talk about yeah. it. Um, We'll probably talk about it at the end of the year, I'm sure. For but, sure. Uh, this has been a good one. Thank you for joining us for this bonus episode of Mad About Movies. We're back to regularly scheduled programming next week. I believe we are talking... What? Murder on the Orient Murder. Express, I yeah, think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, so stay tuned for that. But this has been fun, Brian. Where yeah, can yeah. I find you online? You can find me on the Twitter, Beagle12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Subscribe to that on our website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Kent, where can we find you? Find me online, madaboutmoviespodcast.com, kentgarrison.com, Kent Garrison on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. It's all the same. And find us at madaboutmovies on Twitter. Please follow us. And uh, thank you for listening for this bonus episode. Yeah. If you want more bonus episodes, become a VIP. It's a dollar a week, and we do stuff like this all the time. So enjoy that. Until next time, see you in the Upside Down. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. (laughs) But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.